0: everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank NetHealth for sponsoring today's podcast. So NetHealth has an online rehab therapy community designed for the intersection of clinical and business sides of rehab, just like this podcast. And it's called the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forums. It's all about habits and initiatives that juice up your attendance, revenue, workflows, documentation, compliance, efficiency, and engagement while allowing your provider teams to keep their eyes on the prize, their patients, and outcomes. You'll see stats on community members already involved, plus some new polls, and what can you expect that will benefit you? Write-ups, white papers from leading-edge performers, surveys, benchmarking calculators, videos, podcasts, and more. Myself and NetHealth believe that a better connected rehab therapy profession has the power to help more people. Jump and subscribe and join the conversations today. You can find the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices forums at wwwnethealth healthy. So, thanks to NetHealth. Now, on to today's podcast. I'm so excited to have Dr. Eva Norman on the podcast. I have been wanting her to come on for so long because I think her business model is so unique and she is so unique and so full of energy. And this was just a joy. So a little bit more about Eva. She's been a practicing physical therapist for nearly 20 years. She received her BS, MS, and Doctor of Physical Therapy degree from Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. Through the years, she has practiced in different practice settings with patients of all ages with varying diagnoses. Early on in her career, she developed a strong interest in geriatric rehab. To expand her skill set over the years, she has taken numerous continuing ed courses and also worked in the areas of neurology, orthopedics, and cardiopulmonary rehab. In 2013, she became a certified exercise expert for the aging adult. She is an active member of the APTA since 1994, has served in numerous roles. She is currently serving as the Minnesota Physical Therapy Association's Federal Affairs Liaison, a delegate. In the political action committee, she's a PT PAC trustee chair. She's a member of the private practice, home health, geriatric, health policy, and neurology sections. In January of 2013, she founded Live Your Life Physical Therapy in response to her passionate desire to offer her, to her clients, patients, and the public services both in-home and the community that could help them to experience health, wellness, and a more active lifestyle throughout their lifespans Through the creative applications of preventative and rehabilitative physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, personal training, acupuncture, massage, health coaching, and dietary services. So I want to thank Eva for coming on, sharing the why behind her business. And it is a doozy. And it's, if you know Eva now, it's just all the more amazing, her story. It's just... It's it's eye-opening and anyway she'll grab you from the moment she starts speaking. So, a big thank you to Eva, big thank you to Net Health and thanks to all of you for tuning in and I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. Hi Eva, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. You too, Karen. It's great great to talk with you. Now, as a, a lot of people may not be familiar with your story quite yet, but those of my listeners who are know that you've got a lot. We have a lot to talk about, and we could have gone in a million different directions here, from advocacy to APTA membership to the PT Pack. Oh. I mean, on and on and on. But what I really want to know—I'm being selfish here. What I really want to talk about is your business. So live your life, physical therapy. It's a really interesting business model. I think. I think, and I hope that a lot of physical therapists will trend into your business model at some point. But before we get to that, can you tell us the story behind it? What is the why behind the company?
1: Yeah, it's quite a long story, Karen. But yeah, that definitely will help you understand why the model is the way it is. So when I was 13 years old, um, I was involved in a hit and run accident. And I actually so like, this was actually the weekend before I was going to go trial. Um, I was headed to nationals where I was trialing for the Olympics and swimming. And so it was pretty life changing. Um, my coach said, don't just go do something fun. And as we all know, swimmers don't really have the best balance. And obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. I don't know what prompted me to go roller skating with my girlfriend, but I did. And so I was literally going across this crosswalk and this 72-year-old man who wasn't wearing his glasses that day and drinking, unfortunately, um, instead of hitting the brakes, hit the accelerator right at the left side of my body. I pretty much fractured all my major bones in my left leg and multiple wounds. I, I honestly referred to myself as roadkill, to be honest, for a long time. And it was very, very traumatic. I was rushed to the hospital. Um, where I was told that we needed to amputate within 72 hours, because that's all viability that we had. The femoral artery, there was just, I mean, just a really weak, thready pulse. And um, I come from a family of healthcare professionals. My father's a physician, and my mom's a surgical nurse. And my team took me home. They just, they, um, they they, unfortunately, they told the, the doctor that they respectfully disagreed with his conclusion to, like, the, obviously, the, the diagnostics that had been made. And they were going to take me home and have me heal there. So, which is pretty, I know, right? And I just remember being hooked up to morphine and thinking, like, in shock, of course. I'm still in shock. It just like, but I trusted my father. But I just remember thinking, okay, how is this going to go? But, and I remember the doctor saying, you realize you're leaving the hospital AMA. And my father's like, I perfectly understand that. And I work here. So yes. And um, so they took me home. They converted our living room into a hospital. And um, I was going to the hospital for outpatients though. So the one thing my father did ask um, the, the surgeon is to order outpatient physical therapy. Because at the time, sadly, there wasn't home care for kids. And even today, as we all know, there's very limited. And so, um, so I went to outpatients. You're not even going to believe this, but I had anywhere from two to three times a week at non-weight-bearing covered for nearly four months. This was years and years ago. Wow. I wow. I know. And so um, so I had, a lot. and um, you know, my parents, essentially, through range of motion, through stretching, through just retrograde massage, acupuncture, and honestly, incredible nutrition, I healed. And honestly, but behind all of that was really PT. And so four months, so during this time, actually, I got very depressed. Um, as a matter of fact, I tried to commit suicide during this time. And so it was really dark hours, I'd have to say, during of my life, and, um, and I got really depressed when my father came home to tell us that our insurance had exhausted. And so you can imagine having two to three times a week of therapy for that long period of time, no wonder we reached our annual cut so quickly. And so um, my dad asked the hospital if they could um, see me privately. And they said, no, we don't do private pay. And, and then my dad was like, well, do you know any other providers in the area that could do this? And they're like, no, we don't know anybody. So of course, my dad is literally opens up the yellow pages. Remember back in the day, we had yellow pages and just calling anyone and everybody And um, couldn't find anybody. I mean, he researched high and low. They couldn't find anyone outside of um, where we were from. We're actually from a little town called Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania, and um, couldn't find anybody. And so he took the director of the rehab um, program there at the hospital to breakfast one day and um, he asked her if she would consider coming, and the reason is because, you know, people have often asked me, like, who is your physical therapist? To be honest, I don't remember. I still don't. It's very foggy, and I've actually looked into this. It was multiple people, but the person I did remember was Jean, so she was the director of the program. I'm not going to share her last name. She's, you know, Jean, if you're listening to this, hopefully someday you'll listen to this because God knows you've heard my story before, but um, she's very modest. And, uh, so she, she's okay with me calling her Jean, but anyhow, I would love to share her name. We um, interviewed and she said, no, just my first name's fine. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to share that because a lot of people want to know who she is. And so, um, she, um, the person that I remember is her cause I connected with her. She was, the per- she was honestly my cheerleader, walked in, always the high fives would always give me hugs when I left and So my dad took her to breakfast and begged her truly to come over. And she said to my dad, you know, you realize I haven't touched a patient for two years. Like, why would you ask me? I'm like the last person you want see your daughter, you know, and my dad's like, but she loves you. She's connected with you. And she thinks of physical therapy. You're the person she remembers. And so um, just come over, you know, I don't know, just talk to her. I'm just worried. And, And of course, my dad shared with her about, the fact that I was so depressed and so I think that's really what motivated her come over and I don't really know that she knew what she was getting herself into but she um that day was honestly very transformative and I use that word very because it truly was um I she gave me hope that day she um and I might get emotional here because it is very emotional for me but she came in and it's just this holistic approach that she had um, the first thing she saw me, she said it was just this picture of, of, depression and she came over and gave me a hug and, and I honestly didn't want to let go. And, um, and she's like, you know, she said to me, she goes, when was the last time you saw your friends? I'm like, it's been months. And you know, it's been four months. My mom has me on isolation here. Essentially you're gowning gloved right now because my mom's so afraid of infection. And she goes, no, I'm just, yeah. And she, she turned and looked at my mom because of course my parents are sitting there in the room and. And she said, you know, she needs, she needs social interaction. She needs people in her life. And, you know, is there any way, I mean, her friends could come over and gown and glove like I am. And it was at that moment, I think the light bulb went off in my mom's head. Like, what have I done? You know? And so my mom, my mom is like, you know, of course she's like, you know what, I'm going to call your best friend's parents tonight. We'll have them over for dinner. And of course my mom's solution, everything was always food. So she's going to have this big dinner that Jean of course was staying for and then the next thing, you know, Jean asked, me. she's like, your dad tells me you're not doing your schoolwork. And, um, you know, what's it all about, you know, she's like, you love to read. Your dad says you don't even want to read anymore. And, and I said, Jean, it's the concussion. Because that's something I forgot you know, to mention earlier that I had sustained a concussion. I said, Jean, I'm having a hard time focusing. I'm still seeing double, you know, I'm just having a hard time concentrating. And, and um, she goes, but you have the TV on. I said, I can listen. I just can't read. I'm just having a really hard time with that. And she goes, well, have you been doing your exercises? I think she assumed that the PT that I worked with gave me exercises and like no one's ever addressed it. No one's ever assessed it. I don't think anybody <laughs> even knows that I had one except for the doctor who told me I had one. And she goes, oh my gosh, and you could just tell by the look of her face, she was just livid. Like, oh my gosh, how are we not addressed that? And she turns to my dad, she goes, books on tape. Remember back in the day we had books yes. on tape? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, that will be a great solution. You know, she's like, go. And of course, my dad's like, I'm going to have a library down the street. I will get every book imaginable. Great idea. Um, so moving forward, then the next thing she says, she's like, she's like, now I understand why I haven't been to church. And, um, Jean actually went to our church and she's like, I understand your mother doesn't want you leaving this house, literally these four walls. And because she's so afraid that you're going to, you know, obviously end up with a, uh, Infection, and she said, "But you know, I know sister's been calling here a lot, and we've been praying for you. Like, why haven't you wanted her to come over?" And you know, and it was just, and and I just remember at that moment. I mean, my parents had asked the same question, and I finally admitted. I said, "You know, I just feel like a failure. You know, they had just, you know, four months ago they had this pep rally for me because I was headed to nationals, or I was going to try trial for the possibly. clean holidays app. And you know, I was just so happy about that, and I just honestly felt like I failed my town and I failed my school, and who had invested so much time into me, like coming and rooting me on everywhere. Honestly, and and so, um, and she goes, "No one cares about that. We're lucky that you're alive. I mean, be happy that you have life and have an amazing family." And she obviously was telling me everything, but you know, obviously I should be thinking. But I mean, that's really what was obviously. Um, eating away at me and so I, and I said you know and, I, and she made me realize that that's just that's not important right and and she goes well would you welcome communion I mean is that something important and I honestly broke down at that moment because you know I really thought God had abandoned me at that point and it felt good just for her just to even offer that and and so I welcomed it and she's like well ironically Um, you know, sister and I, were going to have dinner tonight. So how about she come over tonight as well? So like I said, that day was just amazing for me. And so just knowing that sister would come over with really meant a lot. And so as you can tell, I mean, just even just with these few little things I have shared, I mean, it was just such a holistic approach. She hasn't even touched me yet. So then, this next piece, she's like, "Okay, today for therapy, we're gonna take a shower because clearly we need one." <laughs> so, and um, and she so she's asking me about like, "Where do you shower?" I said, "Well, my mom washes my hair in the sink, and then you know, I sponge bathe in the bathroom." So, where's your shower? And I go, "Well, there's one in the basement, one upstairs, but I can't do steps." And and she goes, "Well, why can't you do steps?" And I said, "Well, my leg is just very unstable, and so." Um, and it obviously is very painful still. And, and she said, well, why couldn't you go up on your bottom? And I said, well, I don't know how to do that. Can I do that? I remember my dad, like, I just remember he was interjecting. He was like, wait a minute, Jean, is this safe for her? She's not allowed to pin anyway. She's like, absolutely. And of course, rolling her eyes again, how is it my staff has not addressed this, right? So, but don't we see that a lot in home care, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know, clinics don't even ask you, like, how many steps you have or where your bathroom is and so forth. So Jean shows me how to get up there, shows my mom how to wrap my leg. I literally have my first shower in the first four, I mean, in four months. Oh my God. Think about that. And then I get into my bed for the first time in four months. And so now I'm just crying uncontrollably. I'm just so happy. And, um, it it truly, I, I honestly have hope for the first time. And, and I remember her really close to me on the bed and she literally grabs me um, and like my two arms pretty firmly. And she looks at me like really close. And she's like, you know, Eva, do you trust me? And I go, Jean, I love you. Like, and I'm it was seriously starting. And I'm going to get emotional right now. I'm like, of course I trust you. And she's like, like, "When will you be back. She's like, well, we're not done yet. We haven't done exercise yet today, but she's like, I will be back. She's like, I, she's like, but all I, all I want to know, I'll, I want you to know is that you will walk someday. Do you believe me when I say that? Yes, I do. And this was, I mean, of course, I've been told by, I mean, we had had numerous specialists now, you know, had, had examined me and, and it was like conclusive, apparently, according to them, it wasn't happening, you know, and. Um, That's so said, scary. Ah, it was. And um, so that day was the start of a whole new life for me. And um, I mean, literally eight months later, tell us the day. I was walking with no deficits. Like in- amazing. It really was amazing. He was coming anywhere from two to three times a week. But who did she bring along the way? She brought an OT. She brought a speech there. Because remember, I had my concussion. I also ended up with ADHD as a result for all of this. And um, but with the, I also worked with a dietitian to work on my nutrition. Um, I had massage because I had a lot of edema in my leg. Of course, I had mental that it's an acupuncture earlier so think about that's our team today at live your life i was and just thinking that and um, it was all said and done my mom made so i made two promises one to my mom and my father my mom promised god that if i lived that we would give back and so from that day like literally my mom had me volunteering at every pt location whether it was first hope adult day program, a hospital, outpatient clinic, you name it, I was there. When I applied to PT school, I had 3,600 hours of volunteer hours, and that was all with my mom. And, um, and then, of course, today you could see why it means so much to me to give back to the profession that I love so much. And um, obviously, long story how I got into government affairs, but I felt like that honesty is the best way that I feel like I have to, to give back. And then um, with regards to the promise that I made my father, my father made me promise that someday I would have a business, where I could help others in similar situations. So it's very personal <laughs> to me, and obviously it's it's kind of been like this healthcare ministry in a sense to me. I'm, I'm very spiritual, and um, but it's just also just become this, yeah, just something that I'm just so passionate about. And so I started out. Um, so the company started with just physical therapy initially. It's because I what I knew best and what I felt comfortable with, right? I mean, granted, I, um, and just so you know, by the way, Jean is still my life, helped me get into PT school, had my first clinical with her and, um, still mentors me a lot bit and she obviously left the hospital by the way. I mentioned her a little bit. And at the time I graduated, she had seven like thriving clinics all over Pennsylvania. and yeah, I mean, she's doing them now. She's, she's teaching, she left that, she sold her businesses now teaching kind of heading towards retirement, but still doing amazing. And so, um, but so now I feel like I'm somewhat following in her footsteps. And, um, and so, so I, it took a while though. Cause people always ask, they're like, you know, why did you start this sooner? I mean, this is something that you obviously had this, this, um, promise to make. And I'm like, cause I was afraid of failure to be honest. And it sadly, Karen, it took this horrible job to finally take the plunge, to be honest. That's
0: usually how it works though.
1: Right. And so, um, I'll never forget the day that that I left that job, which honestly was a great day. But my husband said, you know, good for you And and, at Bucas. And I, because this is literally how the company started. And so we go to Bucas, you know how they have like the table nets that are just, you know, paper that you could, with crayons write all over and so forth. And we wrote my business plan, which I framed downstairs.
0: Oh, that's uh, awesome.
1: Just on crayons and stuff. We wrote like generic business plan but then coming up with the name, right? So how do we come up with live your life? So, I mean, we had, we had another sheet that had all these words that were meaningful to us, right? As a couple, I just had, we had thought about cause we'd all, we talked about the business for so long and Dan was so supportive of this. And so, and I remember like, I mean, they're literally words live your, <laughs> like these words are everywhere, you know, in physical therapy and I mean, it was just like, live well, I like, remember there's all these different like versions of the, 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 you know, that I, I envisioned and so forth. And I'm not even kidding you, but I have to share this because people always ask, like, how did you finally come up with that? So we're sitting there, and you know, there's music always jamming right at Bukas. And sure enough, Rihanna comes on the song, Live Your Life. And I'm like, oh my book, God. That's it. And I literally called Paul Walk at that moment, who's a business lawyer. And I'm like, file it right now. Like, file it right now. We're not changing our minds. Like, no, this is it. And so we filed literally that day. That was almost seven years ago, January first, two thousand thirteen, I was mean, essentially opened our door kind of thing. But um, so at that point, um, yeah, what I was most frustrated is with the the non communicable diseases, right? From un- unhealthy lifestyles such as hypertension, the diabetes, the obesity, cornea mm-hmm. artery disease, you know it, Karen, stroke, cancer, some of the
0: cancer mm-hmm.
1: the things that Truly, I mean, that are honestly draining our healthcare system, and we're going bankrupt as a result. And I'm like, so much of this could be prevented. And, and I'm just so sick of seeing the vicious cycle again and again, see these repeat patients over and over and over again. And the second time I'm seeing them, you know, that it's with the pneumonia, with the hip fracture, on and on, and the multiple falls. So it's just was just crazy. I'm like, gosh, we got to do better. And, and I've always had like, such a passion for prevention. Hence my background, where I come from, right? You know, just that holistic approach and just going well beyond just rehab. And so, like every patient, just prior to this, was always going home with some type of what I would call a wellness program. And so, I knew I wanted to go in that niche, but I wasn't sure, kind of, you know, who to target, right? And and I thought, gosh, I should start small initially, but you know, I don't know, Karen, I never go small. I always one of those things where you just go big or go home, right? So yeah. Let's just, you know, and, and I'm like, let's do the full spectrum. And Dan's like, oh my gosh, are you nuts? That's my husband's day. And and I'm like, okay, how about because I this all happened to me at thirteen. We go 13 to end of life. He's like, perfect. Right. Okay, let's start there. And it truly is 13 to end of life, by the way, still today. So, okay, so that's our target market. And then okay, so who and what are we gonna target? I'm like, everything, everything, every but non-communicable diseases, things that we can prevent. Those are gonna be those are gonna be like the target. Things and so, of course, I started doing research throughout Minnesota to see where what towns do we target. I mean, it was amazing. I found out that like the city of Minnetonka has the, the most falls than any other city, which is not far from here. Because and I found that out by looking at the emergency room statistics, you know, so just started targeting like different cities based on you know some of the that I'd been doing and uh, that was out there obviously for anyone to find. And so then I'm like, okay, and of course, it was just me initially, right? But I and I it was thankful that I was doing my uh it's called C- it's what is what is that called the certified exercise expert for the aging AD adult certification at that around that same time and mm-hmm. and my lab partner happened to be a PT that wanted to go to cash-based business so it was like my first hire it was great and so because I I quickly knew um right away that I needed to have a backup because I'm like I'm never going to be going on vacation mm-hmm. you know if i backup, right? And how am I going to be able to, you know, continue to grow unless I'm a backup? So, and he was willing to be that backup, which, which by the way, he is now, he's actually now in Chicago um, doing amazing things with his cash-based business, but regardless, so we started small, but then I was able to, through those connections and through that the certification, I was able to identify like other physical therapists that kind of wanted to start um, cash-based businesses. So targeted them. And then I started teaching at the different universities to connect with other uh, professors not necessarily wanting to hire students but the professors because a lot of times they're looking for a part-time work right and I thought yeah let's target health and wellness professionals so by the year of uh, year one we had four pts one personal trainer and a dietitian and so and it's not that I didn't want um to you know have a third discipline it's just that we couldn't find the right people right that mm-hmm. were one that perhaps like to be out in the home community but also that wanted to go into the prevention kind of area right because it was pretty in an infancy state I mean that was you know almost seven years ago so back then as you know that was
0: mm-hmm.
1: just defining, defining terms right in the house of delegates
0: yeah
1: right so um so a lot of people are like, oh I'm not sure if I want to but it so um so it's hard to find those individuals much in world but for Pete for OT and speech was difficult but but sure enough, just uh, connecting, like I said, it's all been through relationships, to be honest. Everyone that I have hired, it's literally been a friend. I know someone for your mm-hmm. mom would work well with you. And, and honestly, it's been great. I was just thinking about that as earlier today, kind of, a, you know, just our team. Um, we were just thinking because I'm planning our Christmas party right now. And, you know, there's eight individuals that have been with me since the beginning. There's 25 of us now. So wow. we have Seven, um, seven PTs, we have one OT, one speech therapist, uh, five personal trainers, four massage therapists, a health coach, a dietitian, and four admin staff, and myself. So 15 of those individuals are employees and 10 are contractors.
0: Okay, okay. And so if we can just talk, I love the fact that you said you kind of did your research into different towns and, and tried to see what, each one of those towns really needed. So when you're uh, seeing your clients, um, you had mentioned you're cash-based, do you take any insurance at all? No. And so when you're seeing patients more towards the end of their life, you know, a lot of them are Medicare beneficiaries and we had a little chat about this before we went on the air. So, and this is, I'm sure you get this question a lot, how are you seeing those people?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for the question. So, um, so end of life would be a lot of patients that are, are receiving hospice care. So when I can think of end of life, those are. And so um, the benefit, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the hospices in the area only will cover two, maybe three visits at the most of physical therapy. So then uh, we have great relationships with all the hospices here in the Twin Cities. So they'll refer us. Because a lot of times, you know, people are like, "I don't want mom in bed." You know, I don't want her her last days to be that. She loved to move. She loves to walk. She, you know, loves to you know go downstairs and spend time with the grandkids or whatever. So I want her to keep doing that, but I want a professional to help her do that safely and um, given her medical, you know, history, you know, and her, com- her medical complexities, right? Obviously, so so they hire us. Um, and so, um, so that's, but of course it's, sometimes it's not just, um, physical therapy they may want. Sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes they may want a massage because it's just soothing and comforting and so forth. Um, because they have a lot of times they have pain and so forth. Um, but sometimes, you know, they'll stop eating and they'll, they'll, they'll hire even our, our speech language pathologist to figure out like, is there something that we could do perhaps to help, um, stimulate the taste buds or give her perhaps mechanical soft diet or something, a different type of diet perhaps to, to help her with eating. And then sometimes even two, our dietitian will get hired as well to figure out like how can we get enough calories. We have – and I'm really happy to say this. We have had 15 at this point, 15 clients outlive hospice due to our, our wellness program. That's Yeah, right. remarkable. And so and- – you know, how does it work, right? Like, how do people get into our system and how do we figure I, out?
0: Yeah, that was my next question. How did you know that? I was going to say, someone calls you up and then what happens?
1: Right. Like, how do we figure out, like, these are the disciplines that you needed? So, absolutely. So, they, um, so they'll call, they'll call to, they'll call, um, you know, we call a number. So, we, I have, um, so my admin, by the way, are all virtual. They're all virtual assistants. So, I have one person that literally takes the calls. So there is a series of questions that they get asked, and we've actually created an algorithm. So based on how their answers are, you are headed, you know, you're obviously recommended certain different services. Now, of course, my admin isn't clinical, so they don't make ultimate decisions, but they can kind of help start that conversation of where, you know, what they're thinking that perhaps they could benefit from. And so I take that algorithm, the results of that, and then I set up a telehealth free consultation. We do 30 minute free consultation because typically I mean they have so many questions and of course, because it's cash, they should. and I open that conversation to as many per like as many family members as they want. You'd be amazed like and sometimes I have like the whole family because the family's paying this for mom, right or yeah. you know pa yeah. the this- the son that's in New York, and then um, another cousin that's really involved that's in Texas or whatever is you know is on the phone, is on this call. So so that's why we have started to do telehealth because a lot of times they want to see who I am and and obviously want to meet their 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 therapist. Um, and so and that's like a great opportunity to explain. Okay, so according to our algorithm, these are the services that we feel that you would benefit from. So I kind of explain what those services exactly will do for them, and then we. And prior to that conversation, I'm also packaging something for them. You know, depending on what we think would work best for that individual, given what I already know about them, I try to package something so that they know what it's going to cost them. And, you know, and it's, you know, obviously all occurred, they don't have to, there's no, we don't have any contracts or commitments they have to make. Um, you know, this it's obviously up to them, they can, Starting in whenever they'd like and see us as frequently or not as frequently as they'd like. So it's really up to them. We make our recommendations, but ultimately they make the final decision. And we base that too on after assessments because a lot of times, like, I'll give them kind of a ballpark of what I think it could be just based on, you know, other experiences with similar cases. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's really going to come down to assessment to really determine what would be best right? And of course, as a therapist, we always think that way. So, um, and then at that point is really when we finalize the numbers as far as what that looks like. And they obviously will make sometimes their their decision as far as what they want to do. But oftentimes they do want to meet, like, who is my, the, who would be the dietician? Just want to see if that's a good fit for mom or dad, etc. But it's interesting how it's usually the sons and daughters that are hiring us. Um, and so, and you know, we do 13 at end of life, but I'd say the majority of our clients are over the age of 65, <laughs> so the majority, but yet we have the full, we do, like, I mean, actually my youngest right now, I do, I do have a 10-year-old gymnast right now that's actually a professional gymnast that is trying to get into Olympics, so injury-free. Mm-hmm. But, amazing. Yeah, it's just really amazing, and our oldest right now is 103. What? At on hospice. You know, people here in Minnesota live a long time. <laughs> Common, Karen. Common to have hundred-year-olds here (laughs) and ninety-year-olds for that matter. We have about fifteen clients that are over the age of ninety right now.
0: So yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I really like this business model, and and I am a huge proponent of physical therapy being the at the (laughs) forefront of wellness care because we have we're educated for it. We understand comorbidities. We understand surgical procedures, past medical histories, and how best to formulate a good plan of wellness for people. And I really, really feel that you know what you're doing in Minnesota is certainly something that can be replicated across the country. I mean, I always tell people, like, Eva has a home care business in Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, it's freaking cold there, and it's They're snowy. So like if she could do it, like anybody could do it. Everyone always asks, well, I don't know. I live here. Would I be able to do it? I'm like, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Um, it just takes a little bit more work, you know, and, and it's a different mindset, right? Because you're all of a sudden going from in a clinic where people are just coming in one after the other to now you have to make up your schedule you have to fill that schedule. It's not as, it's not like, I don't know about your practice, but I know with mine, like I got six new patients in the past week, week and a half. That's a lot, you know? Now in in a regular clinic, that might be like a day, but when you're going out to people's homes and they're paying you cash, that's, that's a lot of new patients. So how do you guys deal with, you know, your new patient flow? And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with Eva's answer. Are you interested in a free opportunity to check in with the latest thoughts of other rehab leaders? Well, I've got one for you. There's a new online rehab therapy community designed for the intersection of the clinical and business sides of rehab. It's the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum. Catchy name, right? It's all about habits and initiatives that juice up your attendance, revenue, workflows, documentation, compliance, efficiency, and engagement, while allowing your provider teams to keep their eye on the prize, their patients, and outcomes. I personally believe that a better connected rehab therapy profession has the power to help more people. Jump in, subscribe, and join the conversation today. You can find the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum at www dot nethealth.com slash healthy.
1: Absolutely great question. And so um I have to tell you this year, this time of year, so this, so it's fall and spring are our busiest times. And I'll tell you kind of why. First of all, right now, they're getting ready to head south for the winter. So they're trying to get themselves as strong as possible before the holidays because they want to go to their Florida, Arizona, or Texas. That makes sense. And then in the spring, it's, the, it's the, those that have been sedentary on the couch all winter long. And suddenly they come out in the spring. And sure enough, things are not working the way they hope to, right? Because they haven't been moving. So that's our high season. So right now it's a good, good, good question to ask because we do have a waiting list. It's it, honestly, but what happens with the waiting list because I don't think that's good customer service, I end up out in the field. And so that's because a lot of times people ask me like, when do you add more PTs? Like when do you decide like you need to hire that next person? So when I get to the point where like three quarters of my week, I'm literally spending in the field, it's time to hire. And even just one week of that is like enough for me to say yes it's time to hire and as a matter of fact we have a full-time position right now so um and i actually i'm out field now part-time but still half i would say that but that's still a lot and i've been consistently that now for a while so um yeah we're actually down to, to to final um final interviews so hope to have someone hopefully by next but that's kind of how we make that decision. Um, I, before, honestly, Karen, it used to be like three months consistently. But now I've known that if it stays that busy, if we're especially this time of year, it 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 generally stays busy. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Oh, and I and I haven't really had anyone that I've been able like I've had to like, you know, go from full time to part time because essentially once we have them, I keep them busy. And that's one thing too. I should probably share what's also helped with this model is that. it's kind of a level playing field. There's no, I mean, I have that um, bottom up management style, like everyone has a voice here. And so everyone contributes. Everybody has a project. um, And so perhaps developing a wellness program around what they're passionate about. So we have probably about seven projects going on right now. And, um, and so just the individuals and not everybody has to do it. um, But right now there's seven individuals that are developing programs around um, one is combating, um, you know, looking at cancer. One is looking at diabetes right now. One is looking specifically at dementia. One is looking at, let me think, dementia. The other one's Parkinson's, and then we are looking at cardiac disease. Developing like a cardiac rehab program for the community, like for people that can't get to like the actual, you know, hospital for their cardiac rehab. And let me think, which one other ends? Oh, concussions. So one on concussions. Huge. So those are kind of, I think that was seven. Does that sound, sound like seven? But um, those are currently actively being utilized. And we have multiple disciplines working on one project. So like, for example, for like the dementia program, we have a personal trainer, we have an acupuncturist and a physical therapist working on that specific program. Um, and so they meet regularly on their own time. They might be doing their own Zoom meetings as well and meet and in- Um, So that sometimes will fill in the gaps when we have ebbs and flows because as we all know in cash-based world, it ebbs and flows. Absolutely. So that fills in their gaps and so they know that they're always going to be full. So when they have downtime, they work on their projects. They'll work on research. They'll meet. Everybody also has a mentor that which they're required to meet with regularly. So they might meet with their mentor. Um, And also everybody is required to be a part of their professional association and be active in their professional association. So that might mean, you know, being doing committee work might be on their downtime or perhaps prepping for, they might be, have been asked to put a presentation together. So they might be working on that, I mean, you know, all up our time in so many different ways. So they, they stay busy. So I, I share that because a lot of people say, well, when, what happens when there's downtime? So, but you know, all of that helps the business that leads to employee retention, professional growth and of course the growth of the company right so which has been really one of the I'd have to say one of the number one reasons why I think it's led to our success and our growth is because um, We do empower them to essentially become just these young entrepreneurs, right? And so many of them you know want to so so a lot of times we do lose staff because what happens is They learn how to run their business and they go start their business, but I see that as success That's awesome they don't compete with us. As a matter of fact, they, they they, end up taking their own little niche and they refer and we refer back and forth, which is awesome. Right. So, um, and so I've it's really it is hard though because you invest so much time and energy into them and to see them like it's <laughs> always hard. Don't get me wrong. But you know, it's always great when I go to conferences that I see, you know, my 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 young, you know, obviously former employees, my yeah, my young mentees, you know, they're doing amazing things. So it's it's always feels great to see that. So, um, but yeah, so hopefully, so back to I mean, I'm sorry, that's i like of been in a lot of different directions there, but but we, as far as you know, we we have one of all right. Back to answering your question, it can be a little bit more specific. So we have this waiting list, but we, like I said, we have a, a dedicated and that actually monitors our schedules. Um, you know they every each professional actually has their own schedule and essentially schedules themselves but when I say okay. monitors like if we see gaps because they'll put you know if they want more patients obviously you know they they're gonna put they'll, they'll, they'll put on their schedules like I can take three next week so she'll monitor that so that she knows what people in as people mm-hmm. and we have broke up into um, four quadrants in the, in the, so for those who don't know the Twin Cities, we essentially break it up in four quadrants, um, down 94, four thirty five W. And so we just try to keep people in geographic areas. So they're not you know driving all over. Yeah. Because that's a real
0: pain in the ass.
1: Especially when the, right. When the snow comes down, right. right. <laughs> traveling an hour one way, although you might be traveling that some days, you know, seriously, some day it has been pretty bad. Like last winter was horrible. It would take you an hour to drive just 10 miles, which
0: is horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sometimes it takes me an hour to go from the Upper East Side to the Upper West Side, and that's only, like, three miles.
1: <laughs> you can understand. So, so she's great about, you know, and in, in, in keeping me up to date, too. So we, her and I kind of work together as far as making sure that we keep people busy um, um, and so forth. So we might need to be reaching out to perhaps referral sources and you know, some people who are starting you know, perhaps numbers are lowering on some people's schedules and so forth, But I mean, generally, to be honest, they stay so busy. Um, Yeah, I I can't say that we've ever had a point where I had to be worried. Like I always feel like there's more than enough that we can do, and so Mm -hmm. the, um, the projects too has more business, and they get incentivized too to bring in business. So we bonus them and so forth. So you know, people are constantly. We we really truly work very collaborative and well together to to grow the business. As a matter of fact, one thing I should have mentioned earlier with this interprofessional team that we have. Established kind of okay. How do we decide when disciplines come in? Like, I may have packaged something together for someone, you know, PT health coach or I'm sorry, PT dietitian. I think I mentioned speech therapist um, earlier with that hospice patient. So, we meet once a week um, through Zoom um, and we actually have a care conference where we go through some of these cases where we'll problem solve, you know, when can we bring in the next system? Because sometimes we don't want to throw everybody all at once. Remember, they're, first of all, they're paying cash, can they afford that? But also it it may not be the best, you know, it obviously may not be the best approach. And so we talk through that, you know, as far as who would be best right now, you know, and, and so forth. Like we just, I have a lady right now that the doctor's recommending like steroid injections for her back. You know, of course we hear that all the time, right? And so of course my acupuncturist gets on, she's like, Tell her all about me. I'm like, I already have, you know, and I'm like thinking you might be the next thing because she's ready to like literally go with a steroid injection and possibly an opioid because she has so much pain. But let's have you come in. And so, you know, we look at you, you know, sometimes one discipline may emerge quickly just because of something like that coming up. So, you know, but but again, we're constant communication. We're taking notes, we share kind of even, you know, our, our notes that we take from care conference. Cause sometimes we need like I always say, we have to let, we sometimes let it marinate in the brain to see. Okay, well, what would work best perhaps for this patient? Sometimes we need to really think that through, uh, depending on what's going on, and perhaps finances too, and and also the support or lack of support that they may be having. Um, you know, and I think I'm very ethical too. Like that's the other thing too. Like if we feel that they can get a service covered elsewhere, we will share that with them. And we also try to help them figure out ways that they can get this covered. You know, there's a lot of associations out there. I don't know if you guys are aware um, that, you know, like for example, for a stroke, um, the National Stroke Association, both your local and national, they sometimes will have stipends out there for wellness dollars that you can actually apply for. So Parkinson's has done that stroke, muscular dystrophy. Multiple sources. So we'll have them tap into those resources. Um, If you're a veteran, sometimes the VA has, well, you know, kind of a you know dollars set aside for that. We we have found we actually worked with a Purple Heart recently that was given thirty wellness visits. Imagine that being a Purple Heart. So Purple Hearts out there, take note (laughs) that you might have a great deal with your wellness. Um, And then also, I'm just thinking there's there's also been just even private insurance plans too that sometimes have dollars for, um, memberships and so forth that we've been able to negotiate with them to get them to use those dollars for our services. So, which has been great. So a lot of times just picking up the phone and asking the the question, is this possible? So, and you know, they're, you know, they're frequently trying to reduce costs, right? They don't want them in the hospital. So they obviously appreciate what we're trying to do.
0: That's it. That's great advice. I'm really glad that you brought that up, that there are resources out there that, we can have our patients, we can help our patients tap into um, for financial resources. I think that's really important. Good, good, good. Very good. And now you had mentioned earlier that you have all of your assistants are virtual assistants. Where do you find your virtual assistants? Because I know that's a question that comes up all the time.
1: So, okay. So my virtual assistants are all, let's see, they're either in school or they're moms. Okay. so um, and they work out of their homes. And so, um, but I mean, I know that there's been, I've heard that there's virtual assistants, like you can get abroad and so forth and things like that. I haven't, you know, I actually just recently looked into that. I actually even had an interview ironically today with a woman in the Philippines, which it could be very cost effective. And I was just thinking more for just, um, There's just a lot of busy work behind the scenes, you know, of course, with many different businesses. And I thought, gosh, this could save a lot of time. And they're very efficient. And I was just surprised, like, how fast they type and put spreadsheets together or, or actually can update some of our reports and things. And I thought, wow, this might be good. So I don't know. It was actually, and she's very cost effective. So thinking about it, haven't taken the plunge yet, but just like I said, learned about it recently and, and interviewed her today. But um, how do I find them? I um, as I mentioned earlier, many, everybody that's, um, that really works for us has come to me kind of handpicked from friends <laughs> or they've reached out, you know, and they've reached out because they've heard about our company. And I have to tell you, even one of them is a, a previous client, you know, that, you know, needed a job and, you know, and so, um, and it honestly was just the right time. You know, it was one of those things where it was, it was truly, a uh, she called it it, it uh, 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 wonderful she called it the right time because I couldn't believe that day I was beyond I shouldn't say I was desperate but I was at the point where like I wasn't finding what I was looking for and she literally I could check up all the check boxes with her and I trusted her and I knew her she was a client of mine and no longer a client of mine so and I knew she had a really strong work ethic and um, and it, the hours would work perfect with her schedule so um, so it just worked out.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's great that because I think a lot of physical therapists don't think about using a virtual assistant and it it can be a economical way to get stuff done. So I I think it's great that you know we kind of have that conversation around that virtual assistant and and how yes they can answer your phones or yes they can do you know things like that that you would think that no it has to be someone in your clinic. But if you don't have a brick and mortar clinic, then you really have to get creative. And, and that's obviously what you've done at Live Your Life PT. Now, is there anything else that you have found in the building up of this company that you would say to someone, boy, if you have the chance to do this to help your company, I would do it.
1: The one thing that I wish I would have done from the beginning that has helped so much since I started the business, um, so this would be for the new business owners um, joining, and I have to put in a plug here for the private practice section. I joined the private practice section a year into my business, and I wish I had joined them prior to. Um, That would have been great because then I, through that network of individuals, I, I actually ended up with two tremendous mentors. That have helped me so much. Um, when I first started out, I didn't really have a whole lot of money for all you know contract development. I mean, I I mean I had a lawyer and so forth, but I couldn't afford necessarily to have him generating all these contracts for me week after week after week. Because I would just you know I ended up needing a lot of contracts initially. What was really great is that um, I found some tremendous mentors, um, and I'll name them: Sandy Norby, uh, Mark Anderson. Um, and Tim shell, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, you guys seriously helped me I mean, saved me thousands and thousands of dollars just sharing what you already had. Um, and, and just getting me going and just also giving me the confidence. And, and I, I wish I had had that. I mean, I wish I had met them prior to starting the business. You know, because then it wouldn't have been so hard because I think I was trying to reinvent the wheel and little did I know, like there was all these people that could help me. So I can't stress enough doing that. Um, but then now once I've started the business, as far as kind of what I would recommend is, you know, um, the Rolodex that I have. So one thing that I have to tell you, this phone has 7,000 contacts right now. <laughs> yes, I know. And what? So, I would be surprised if you did too, but seven thousand. And I'm not kidding you. And so I have organized it all beautifully. So I mean, anyone that I meet, I literally put a profile together in their contact. I label them based on their state, their like their their profession, and how they could potentially help me. And so that has been huge. So because I mean, I go to so many conferences all over the country. I meet so many people. And I don't just do that for PT. I do it for other professions. But that has been my saving grace. I've been able to find quality staff as a result. I've been introduced to, um, you know, perhaps, you know, corporations that I wouldn't normally have conversations with thanks to those connections. Um, and so it's almost like, I mean, that's probably been the easiest marketing that I've had. And so, and and it's amazing how I'll call up someone five years after the fact that I met them and they'll just remember just based on the little conversation that I wrote, like the little, you know, the little notes that I had, They're like, oh yeah, I do remember you. You had that cash-based business in Minnesota. How's that going? I'm like, oh my gosh, you do remember me. And so, um, and it's great because then we'll jump into the conversation and suddenly we're doing business together. So that has helped a lot. And as a matter of fact, sometimes they become even clients themselves. And so, um, yeah, developing your Rolodex, but really organizing it well so that you don't forget those conversations. Use that notes section and write down, What that conversation entailed, how that, how you think that person could help you in the future or today, that kind of thing. So that has helped. Um, The other thing I have to say too, um, you know, I'll put in a little plug because as far as marketing, you probably want to know too. You know, we don't do a whole lot. I'd have to say our website is one of the main things, but the other thing is um, BNI. I joined BNI about five years ago. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, It's business network. Yeah. At the time, I was the only physical therapist that belonged to b and in Minnesota, which I was really surprised because when I read kind of what B&I was doing for other PTs across the country, I thought, wow, this is really hard to believe. And now, of course, there are more. Um, it's interesting how a lot of um, private practice section members have joined because I've also shared this with others. And that has also been a great network of individuals kind of outside of my profession, but be able to connect to like other dietitians, other massage therapists, and have been able to also um, get business that way and just develop those relationships. So I guess what I'm trying to say is don't be afraid to like join like, you know, organizations like that, or the Rotary Club, things like that, and potentially you can develop relationships outside of your usual comfort zone to meet, you know, people out there that can connect you to perhaps people that can afford your business or connect you to those, um, that do. So, yeah, so I, I would say that that would be huge. And I wish someone would have told me that like until, you know, two years of my business that I started discussing
0: things. So, yeah. I mean, what great advice! And you know, I, what's the saying? Like, your your net worth is your network, or your network makes up your net worth. There's something to that effect. And and that's essentially what, like you said, developing this rolodex. I love the tips on adding notes into that. I'm going to remember that because I don't do that. and It's a great idea. And BNI is yeah, a friend of mine that I used to play softball with. Asked me to join his BNI, um, which I think he's like doing a presentation in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to try and catch it. But all amazing advice and you know i want to thank you for being so open and honest about your story i did not know any of that and that was very um gosh i can't believe it if i'm being honest um i it's really how what what an amazing journey you've had and especially like you'd never know it being as every time i see you at a conference you're out dancing till two in the morning so how is this possible? <laughs>
1: People always ask me, like, where does that come from? I'm like, well, there's a story behind it. So yeah, I mean, I deeply love it and I owe my life to it. So I mean, I really can say that I owe my life to physical therapy.
0: Yeah. Oh, what an amazing story. And the practice is great. Now, where can people find more information about you and about the practice?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our um, our website is a great place, Liveyourpt.com. Uh, but we're also on all the various social medias: uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, a lot of different forms of social media. Um, let me think, if anything else. No, And on and, and our website, too, we actually have a weekly blog. Um and if there's anyone out there by the way that wants to be a guest blogger please reach out to us we're always looking for people to to be a guest blogger for us so awesome. we'd love Sure. Awesome,
0: and and you know, just for everyone listening, if you go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under this episode, we'll have all the links to all the very to the website and all the various social media handles and things like that. So, um, one click will get you uh, to live your life PT to learn a little bit more about the model and hopefully more PTs can kind of step into this uh, into this world. And now I feel like I have such a better understanding about what you do and a bit great, so much more appreciation for what you're doing in Minnesota. I think it's great. So thanks so much, Eva, for coming on. Karen for having me and everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A huge thank you to Eva for sharing her story and the ins and outs of her business at live your life, physical therapy. And of course, thank you to net health for sponsoring today's episode. And please check out the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum, where again you'll see stats on the community, polls, benchmarking calculators, surveys, videos, podcasts, and more. They believe a better connected rehab therapy profession has the power to help more people. So subscribe, join the conversations today. You can find the Rehab Therapy Operational Best Practices Forum